Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. And our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hello. Do you guys want to tell people about the cutest thing that you do? I'm a 35-year-old man, Hank. What <laughs> I want to tell people... Yeah, I don't even know. Okay, Sam, what do you, Sam's what like, do you... I'm a 35-year-old man. I do so many cute things. Which <laughs> one do you true. want me to pick? That's true. No, I'm talking about in our show flow document, this cute thing that you did. Oh, that's Faith. AP Faith does the cursor part. That's her signature move. To okay. explain what it's, it is, it's basically yes. a little part of the document that we use, the show flow to follow the show, that has trees. It's a square of tree emojis, and inside of mm-hmm. it are various little animal emojis and other tree emojis. There's like mm-hmm. a squirrel right now and a bee and a dog, and you can put your cursor. You can just click, and your cursor can hang out in the cursor park, or you could maybe find a meat emoji and feed one of the little animals some meat or something. <laughs> And it is very cute. Every time I open a doc and see it, it makes me much happier than I was before I saw it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, it's weird that the thing shows everybody what you've recently clicked on. You know what the worst part is? When you have to highlight and search something because you don't know what it is. And then everybody Uh in the writing, the writing pitch document can see you don't know what this thing is. And then you're like, "Uh, sorry, guys, I'm (laughs) stupid, but I'm going to have to copy and paste this real quick. 
You know what's even worse? What's editing a script live while people are watching and accepting your suggestions or rejecting them or like leaving comments on it. And it's like, I cannot work under this pressure. Why did we create this terrible system? (laughs) I hate, I cannot write if I know someone else is in the dock. I I open a copy and I start writing in the copy. I'm like, I cannot watch. I cannot think about someone watching me write. I just pretend they're not there. I have, I've had to as a consequence of my writing jobs oh, to just be like, they don't exist. They're, in they're not looking. The They've looking. just like walked away from their computer. I've oh, got to do God. it now. <laughs> <laughs> but then you see their cursor move and you're like, panic, leave. <laughs> and then I go into the chat and say, please. I'm working here. I'm working here. <laughs> I'm working here. <laughs> oh, that was the guy from the from the Patreon only from tangents. the Patreon bonus episode. Yeah, <laughs> he came back. <laughs> only the patrons would know about that guy. Yeah, you can write people. You can write messages in the cursor park, but mostly you put your cursor in the cursor park. Yeah, so you don't have to worry stroll. about other people thinking about where your cursor is. <laughs> this it's like the stupidest concern, but I have it. It's legitimate. You know what actually is really helpful? It's really helpful to hear you say that because I do too. Oh. And now it's just out there. And I know other people think it's about out there. It. Thank you. I just wanted my cursor to hang out in the cursor park, which is a nice place specifically for cursors that has yeah. squirrels and dogs and a flamingo. All right. Every <laughs> week on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while also trying to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for glory and for Hank Bucks, which I will be awarding as we play. At the end of the episode, one of them will be the winner. Now, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. This week is from me. It's extremely important, I'm sorry to say, that your food hole is always wet. It simply has to be this way, <laughs> though I think you might rather forget. When it gets dry, it's very uncool. You can't eat the food on your plate. But I also think that all of that drool really just isn't that great. But there is no doubt, I think we all know, we'd be quite lost without it. Lubricating our mouths, digesting our food. Please let's just accept our spit. As spit is the topic for the day. Do you hate I spit? I don't love it. <laughs> you don't I, like spit? Look, That's weird. I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate spit, but I hate thinking about the fact that I have a wet hole in my face. <laughs> <laughs> you have several. Like your eyes are yeah. wet holes too. <laughs> no, your nose, hole. your ear can get quite wet. Yeah, if you allow I guess it. your ear. Yeah, your ears are mostly not wet. Your nose holes. I don't know. Mine aren't usually wet, which can actually be a problem for me. They're not adequately wettened. It's Montana. Yeah, Montana. I like spit because it's like you have a, a little cleaning uh, solution everywhere you go. You <laughs> Just have a little drink wherever uh, you go. Here, here. A, little <laughs> a little drink. I always got <laughs> <laughs> a little refresher. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you thirsty? Swallow. <laughs> That's nope. how it works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do occasionally, uh, though I'm not proud of it, get it on the glasses for a for a good clean. Yeah, spit shine. Terrific. They call it. No shame in that. Well, I think what I really don't like is when I lick my finger to do it, because then I'm like, now I've take now, but I've only done one lens, so now I have to take my finger that I just put on my wet dirty glasses back in my mouth for the second lens. Yeah. You know and you have nine not... more fingers. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. It's like, oh, that one? I've used that it. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> you got so uh, many little cleaning surfaces. This is already a classic episode of Tangents. Sari, what is spit? <laughs> 
So spit or uh, saliva. That's what you'll find when you try to Google it more academically. Mm-hmm. It is produced by salivary glands, usually in the mouth region, mouth hole area, sal- uh, oral cavity slash throat. Is it produced other places? I don't think so. I don't okay. think they'd be called salivary glands if they're in other There's places. There's definitely wetners other. all over the body. But, but these specific ones uh, for saliva, which is a compound that is mostly water. I think it's like 90% water. Oh. Um, and it has other little things in it that help with digestion. So enzymes that start breaking down some food in your mouth. Uh, it helps lubricate your throat for swallowing. Yep. Uh, it helps with pH buffering and general hygiene, like keeping good bacteria around, killing off some of the bacteria or other stuff that we don't want around. And it's produced by three main glands in humans. I'm not entirely sure how this translates across the animal kingdom, like if there are these three specific types of glands. But there are the parotid glands, which are found below your ears. Those are the biggest ones. Mm. There are the submandibular glands, which are right below your jaw. And then there are the sublingual glands, which are right below your tongue. The the gleekers. That's what they call the gleekers. We're going to learn so much about gleeking eventually, Hank. You'll see. Okay, we'll we'll (laughs) hold back for now. Um, but they all contribute different percentages of saliva to your mouth at different times. So like most of it comes from the submandibular, uh, when you're just hanging out. But then when you start eating, then the parotid starts gushing into your mouth to make it wet. I don't need you to Uh, use that word, but okay. The the audio, painting the audio tapestry (laughs) and the parotid gland, uh, are mostly like thin serous uh s e r o u s secretions mm. while um your sublingual and submandibular glands are more oh. mucusy so yeah, there's different, different kinds different, of spit like textures yeah. of spit depending on like what proteins are involved Holy and they moly. all help you do what your mouth does and that's just humans. Other animals have all kinds of other compounds. They have anticoagulants if oh, they drink sure. blood, or they have saliva that is sticky if they catch bugs or uh, eat, need to like stick out their tongue like a Yoshi and eat some leaves. <laughs> or a, um, like a chameleon. That one. Yeah, or like a chameleon, you know. <laughs> but uh, modified salivary glands act as like venom producers in certain uh-huh. animals for spit. Oh, okay. So. Do we know where the word spit comes from? Because I feel like it's nice to be able to define spit just for humans and be like, I'm not going to think about whether this like bug thing counts. I don't care. Let's just mm-hmm. sum it up, feel nice and good about it. Because I learned a lot about spit just now. Mm-hmm. But do we know where spit the word comes from? Yes. Uh, also keeping it very human centric. It is uh, a word made by humans for the human experience of what is this stuff in my mouth? Uh, and it is another one of those imitative words where oh, sure. the act of spitting, spitting. Uh, gotcha. you, you spray as you say the word spit. Um, and so like sp- okay. it comes from okay. words like spew or spittle hmm. or any version of that sp- spaten, spaddle, any, any kind of word that sounds like spit was probably used at some point in Proto-Germanic languages or Old English or variants of that to describe hmm. The action of spitting, and then also the the stuff itself. Well, I think that's just great. 
I think that that's great as well. The, the, I like the idea that the spit in my mouth was named after the action of spitting. Yeah. Not the other way around, mm-hmm. which makes sense to me. You know what I love about SciShow Tangents, you guys? It's the amount of stuff that I learn. <laughs> yeah, like how many fingers you have to clean off s- your glasses. <laughs> I have these two just for oh, you. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. For audio listeners, Hank just made a heart with his little fingers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now it's time to move on to our quiz portion of the show where Sam and Sari get to fight against each other to see if they can acquire some points, a little advantage before moving into uh, the fact off. So I've got a truth or fail for y'all. Uh, the spit is, as I've said, a little gross, which means that humans have made all sorts of strange objects that revolve around it, some of which are even mm-hmm. preserved in various museums and archives around the world. Am I the only one who's just extraordinarily conscious of the spit in their mouths right now? Because yikes, it sure is in there. So today, I'm going to tell you the story of three objects that have been built for spit, but only one of them is real. Mm. I do feel like every time you say it, more and more comes out of my my mouth, though. (laughs) Just gushing, as Sarah Mm -hmm. said. So in the British Museum, you can find a locket once owned by Marie Antoinette. And when you open the locket, you will see a portrait of her husband, King Louis the Sixteenth. And on the other side, you will see a clear inset, which holds a saliva sample from the king as well. Just carry yeah, that yeah. as well around. But that might not be the true fact. It might be this one. In the archives of the United States House of Representatives, you can find a metal bowl covered with a lid that has a hole in it. This bowl is from the late 19th century and was one of hundreds like it that was spread around the Capitol that were available for tobacco-chewing congressmen to spit into. Or it might be fact number three. At the University of Oxford, you can find a pig bladder attached to a goose quill. This contraption was a 16th century syringe that was used by the English doctor Nicholas Robinson, who relied on it to collect saliva from different farm animals that he thought could be used to make medicine. So it's either Marie Antoinette's spit locket the House of Representatives spitting bowl, or the uh, the, uh, the doctor's saliva syringe. <sighs> the first one I feel like is just Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton. You know, she had a, a his blood and a vial around her neck. I feel like that's what's being. Adapted <laughs> I don't know here. what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I don't know either. Celebrities—they're they just married. like us. They are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the second one is just a spittoon, right? Basically, you just said there's a spittoon in, cartoons in Congress. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. certainly that is a that is a thing. That's probably um, true anyway. <laughs> Even if it's not true, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The saliva syringe sounds so weird. This is like two very normal things: a locket, a bowl, and then a pig <laughs> bladder attached to a goose quill. I'm having trouble even imagining what that yeah. looks like. It seems too late. Like it was 1600s. Is that what you said? 16th century. So okay. that, that just seems like we would have wired in what like cow spit was by then and be like, there's no use for this. But specifically, this was used by this doctor who thought that there were like medicinal benefits to to like animal spits. But also part of me is like, if Deboki made this up, that seems really weird. <laughs> I could see it being used for something else, maybe like not spit, but I don't know what yeah. it would be. Oh, that's a good point. I like blowing air I, into something, maybe like. Oh, maybe. Maybe it's like a old balloon. eye test, you know, like you 
Yeah. Just, right? Yeah, it's just like get, to get the crumbs out of your keyboard. <laughs> yeah, your, your 16th century keyboard. I'm going to say it's the spittoon because I think I'm, it seems so obvious and I feel like I always trick myself out of it. Yeah, maybe I'll just, I'm pulling a area this time. I think the saliva syringe thing is just so specific. I couldn't imagine it could be the product of anyone's imagination. Well, I'm here to tell you that Sari has gone in the right direction with the correct strategy, finally not convincing herself out of the true fact. Uh, so spittoons in general date back to the Tang Dynasty. So been around for a long time. And they're often like, you know, beautiful objects. They wanted them to be nice spit holders. Uh, they're found in many places. You know, you got them in your bars and caver- taverns, but they were also in the various chambers of the U.S. government. And there is a one known as the Speaker Spittoon, uh, probably stayed near the Speaker's podium, but doesn't seem to have been super popular. There was a report in 1880, uh, wrote about congressmen spitting all over the floor instead of the spittoon. So like, we provided them, and yet they were like, <laughs> look, I yeah. spit it home at my floor at home. I'll spit on the floor in the sacred vaunted halls of the U.S. government. I'm also like 90% sure that maybe Deboki just hadn't heard of spittoons until she read about them here. It's totally you think possible. that could be the case? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so so the, the thing that happened was that uh, tuberculosis started to get people thinking we shouldn't be spitting on things. This is a contagious oh. disease. And spitting in particular was seen as a potentially a really significant way that to tuberculosis was transmitted. It doesn't seem to have actually been, but it became like really quite taboo because people were huh. like, that's how, that's how people get sick. So there was all these like anti-spitting campaigns and stuff. Uh, and now you don't have public spittoons. Though there was once a kid behind me in a movie theater who was spitting his dip into the loudest possible object, which was the uh, small uh, open end of a Coke can. Yeah. Oh, no. That's just what so you do loud. in Montana, Hank. <laughs> Come so on. So loud. I gotta you can move. have like a paper cup, like a free paper cup yeah, for water or something. You just use whatever you got on hand. And he wasn't good at it either. So he was like, like he was new at the whole idea of dipping. Anyway, so yes, y'all were all correct that the saliva syringe was based on a couple of real things. The first is that there was a 19th century medical writer, Nicholas Robinson, who wrote about the the virtues of spit, especially saliva mm. gathered in the morning before eating. This would be human mm. saliva, okay. we're pretty sure. Uh, and he suggested mixing chewed bread with fasting spittle to relieve inflamed eyelids. So fun. Oh, uh, That doesn't what? work. Don't do that. Uh, you put this- it- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you yeah, put it on, on the on eye. There. Okay. Yeah, the, the second is a, a actual syringe developed by Sir Christopher Wynn that was you that used an animal bladder connected to a hollow goose quill, and he used that syringe to inject various substances into dogs in his experiments, including alcohol and opium. So wild, wild, <laughs> having wild a great time over there that we live in. <laughs> yeah, and no, there were not were not spit lockets. That was entirely made up. That was Billy Bob Thornton and uh, and uh, Angelina Jolie. Is that a real thing? Was that like in a movie or is that something that they actually did? They were married and I think they each wore a locket with their blood, each other's blood in the locket. It's very romantic, I think. Is it? Why don't you do it? Were Billy Bob Thornton's entire body to be destroyed, she could clone him and bring him back. (laughs) (laughs) 
We should lock <laughs> our blood with records of burned versions of SciShow Tangents we for the should. future so they can revive Buried clones in of us to continue yeah. podcasting once this becomes the most beloved right, media yes. source. Well, I mean, I just don't I just don't think it's going to be that hard to recreate us. We have so many hours of us talking. <laughs> you could be an AI right now, Hank, and, and no one would know the difference. I got to vary <laughs> my speaking patterns up a little bit so people know it's really me. Start talking like this. Uh, <laughs> you got to grow a mustache. You should grow a mustache. That would be a really good way to, to stop it. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <So, laughs> the saddest you've sounded in a really long time. I yeah, feel you, like. know you, you know you have to do it. That's why you're so sad. <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back for the fact off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money, a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a subscription-based world out there. Video games, art-making programs, food delivery services, these things, they all have dang subscription services to subscribe to. And I don't want to cast aspersions? Dispersions? Aspersions. One of those. But... It does seem like part of the subscription uh, business model is to get you to subscribe to something and then hope that you lose track of everything you subscribe to and just keep forking out 10 bucks a month until the sun Mm -hmm. burns out. And you know what? That's actually a pretty good idea on their part, but it's not such a good idea for your wallet. Your money is like a bean. (laughs) (laughs) You want to plant it in fertile soil. You don't want people carving off pieces of your bean all the time. That bean's not going to grow. If there's there's a constant drain on the the bean, that (laughs) is where Rocket Money comes in. With Rocket Money, you can see all your subscriptions in one place, decide what you do and don't want, and cancel things with just a tap. Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and beyond I mean, beans and beyond subscription canceling (laughs) rocket money helps you build budgets, track your spending and more. There's all kinds of ways to take care of those beans. So they grow into a nice big bean plant. It has over 5 million users and it helps save members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. What would you do with 720 beans? I'd buy more beans. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind of bean, I guess. a so cheaper, beans, more yeah. of a cheaper type you of bean. You buy cheaper beans with your expensive beans. <laughs> yeah, until I had an infinite amount of the cheapest bean you could possibly have. <laughs> Subscription <laughs> companies hate this one simple trick because you figured out their plot. And now you can use that money for beans instead. Stop wasting <laughs> money on things you don't use and start using money on things like beans. Cancel your unwanted <laughs> subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Miriam Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. 
and that's all good and fine but old miriam and webster (laughs) used some words that i don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about manukora honey first off manukora isn't just sweet and viscid it's got a rich complex taste and a creamy melt in your mouth texture that you won't find in your average everyday grocery store honey and nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the manuka tea tree in new zealand the only nectar these bees feed on in the production of manukora honey in conclusion manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey it's special honey i know this firsthand uh they sent us a jar a squeeze bottle and some honey sticks and we've been sharing them around the office of their mgo 850 plus their best-selling honey it's not the same <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey look have you ever think to yourself if like a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome back, everybody. Before we left, we were talking about whether or not I was going to have to grow facial hair to prove that it's me and not an artificial (laughs) intelligence deep fake. But instead uh, of worrying about that anymore, we're going to do the fact off. Our panelists have brought science facts to present to me in an attempt to blow my mind. And after they have presented their facts, I will judge them and I will award Hank Bucks any way I see fit. Uh, But probably to the one that blows my mind the most. So get ready to have me get my mind blown. But first, to decide who goes first, we have a trivia question. In 2020, scientists from the Netherlands Cancer Institute reported that they had discovered a pair of salivary glands that were previously unknown. These glands are situated at the point of the nasal cavity, where that uh, hits the throat. The glands are part of a group of salivary glands, including minor glands that cover your mouth and throat. Roughly how many of those minor salivary glands are there. Can't believe oh my, my definition is already outdated. Yeah. By halfway yeah. through the episode. But that's <laughs> we can't trust is. anything you say anymore. I'm gonna say it's always more than I think it is. Eighty. I was gonna say ten thousand and heck, I'm sticking with ten thousand. <laughs> You're sticking with ten thousand? <laughs> I thought Sarah was gonna say eighty thousand, baby. <laughs> Plants <laughs> need a little bit of space. I feel like, well, oh. have, you know, there's a lot going on well, right there. Who, who, who knows? But the answer—it's frustrating. 
it's frustrating to have to have Sari win with 80 when the answer was 1000. Oh. Like, should I be judging on like an <laughs> exponential curve? Because in that case, mm. Sam would have won. But no, it, we just do Damn. it by raw numbers. And so Sari wins, even though you were, she was very off. Yeah. Sam was fewer orders of magnitude off. So Sarah, you could decide who goes first, even though I've just spent a surprising amount of time dissing your correctness. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Dishonorably, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> so the bowerbird is found in Australia and New Guinea and named after the stick structures the males make to impress females, as we always talk about weird mating rituals. They're Eponymous bowers aren't exactly nests. They're more like caves or arches made from twigs with a bunch of stuff on the ground around them. This stuff is a hoard of treasures like rocks and bones and plastic, all arranged to impress. And in addition to these scavenged decorations, the male bowerbirds also spit shine the place by chewing plants and berries, mixing those with saliva to make a kind of paint, and then coloring the inside sticks of the bower up to chest height or so with a thin, pasty layer that is often around uh, 0.5 millimeters thick. So quite thin. Uh, it's not like honking smear. It's enough to decorate, but not enough to be structural support or glue. We're not entirely sure what is so biologically appealing about this spit paint, but we know that when researchers remove paint from the bowers, then females returned less often. And for some reason, more time spent painting also corresponded with more mating success. So really love a, a painterly male. Uh, it could add to the visual spectacle of the bower in general or act like an optical illusion. For example, there's a lot of red paint inside the bower that can make the female's eyes as she sits inside less sensitized to red light because there's so much red light, the red cones are being activated. So the green objects around the bower look more brightly green as the male is showing wow. off his collection of treasures. Oh, green or stuff. it might be a smell or taste signal because female hmm. bowerbirds tend to take a little nibble at the spit paint and have been seen swallowing it in videos. Also, males seem to care more about protecting their gooey wet paint from researchers who are trying to scrape than older dried paint. So, like a lot of things, there is a lot more research to be done, but even animals are doing art to impress each other. And when you don't have fancy tools, some good old spit and berries will do just fine. They can make it different colors. Did I miss that part? Yeah, yeah. like with based on like what they chew. If they wow. chew a blueberry, then they'll be blue. If they chew a red berry, it'll be red. I think it's whatever is around. Sure. And what are they what are they painting on to? They're painting on the inside walls. Okay. Yeah, the inside walls of the sticks to about chest height. So like kind of like you'd paint an accent wall in your house almost. <laughs> mm. <Yeah>. Not go <laughs> all the uh, way so like up and fully, then have not... a little wainscoting. Yeah. That's very weird, very cool. I've definitely seen bowerbirds bowers not have the paint on them. They just have like they're like surrounded with cool colorful stuff. It would be so frustrating to have a scientist come scrape your paint off. I feel like I'd be pissed. Maybe they go by after they're done with it. They've done the work. Mm. They've done the mating. If they've succeeded. Or maybe they just don't it care about it. It does seem like the papers I was reading, they interrupt the mating. And they're like, you're working really hard on this thing. Other <laughs> bowerbirds are going to mess with you. And now we as humans are also going to mess with you because we got to yeah. know. We just are so curious. And look, you're not going extinct or anything. Yeah. Sam, what do you have? 
Spitting cobras are one of those animals that seem like they should only exist in Pokemon. Animals with projectile venom that causes extreme burning to the eyes that can lead to necrotization and blindness if not treated. Just seems like super fake. But they're real, and they're so real that spitting cobras have evolved two separate times in Africa and Asia, and a species of wrinkles, another type of snake, has also evolved venom spitting power. So spitting and snakes, it's just a natural match. It's that meme where the guys are like that. You know, <laughs> another weird thing about them is that their venom is for defense and not hunting. So most snake venom is used for hunting and contains chemicals that cause paralysis. But a spitting cobra's venom has a way higher concentration of chemicals that cause pain in their targets. Mm. So it's definitely a please leave me alone thing and not a I would like to eat you kind of thing. And scientists have known that all already. But what's less clear is why these guys even evolved to spit in the first place and why it evolved independently three different times. So obviously, so the snake can avoid getting hurt or eaten, and they do use their venom against things like birds and mongooses and other stuff that wants to eat them. But I was looking at like an article of their predators, and it was hedging a lot as to whether or not the spit was very effective against any of those animals. Like it was talking about secretary birds and mongooses, and it was like, well, they're both like too fast and too small. Like secretary birds' heads are too small for them to really be all that scared of the spit. There's stuff like crocodiles that just don't give a shit about getting spit on. Uh, or they just close their eyes while they're eating the the snakes. Uh, and basically, <laughs> these, snakes, <laughs> these snakes basically have to get venom in the eyes or else it doesn't do anything. It doesn't really like mm-hmm. affect your skin. Uh, mm-hmm. Another thought is that it's to keep hooved animals far away so that they don't step on snakes. Oh, wow. But again, okay. they're really big and their eyes are really high up. So the spit is cool, but maybe it's not very useful. However, in 2021, a team of researchers proposed a new theory for the evolution of spitting cobras that suggests a much more familiar target for their defensive behavior. Us. So primates are hardwired to be scared of snakes and a lot of non-human primates and human primates, like humans too, I guess, will preemptively kill a snake that they see, even if it's just chilling. Uh, And lots of them will try to kill them from far away by like throwing rocks at them or hitting them with sticks. And eventually, in the mists of history, uh, primates evolved into pre-human forms and started to get really good at throwing rocks and even started inventing longer and pointier stuff to kill snakes with. And a pair of fangs and quick reflexes doesn't do much against a pointy spear. So the thought is, as humans evolved and spread around the world, so too did these disparate groups of spitters learn how to spit and to make their desire to be left alone very clear by making their spit hurt really bad. And the cool thing is that the fossil evidence seems to back this up. So spitting cobra teeth have been found near populations of ancient hominins in Africa. And the evolutionary history of spitting cobras in Africa seems to have started 7 million years ago when human ancestors were differentiating from apes. And Asian spinning cobras seem to have started evolving after the arrival of Homo erectus uh, in Asia 2.5 million years ago. So snakes just don't really like people. They learn how to spit on them. Uh, and in conclusion, I think this is cool because it's a usual, an unusually direct example of animals having to adapt to us and our skill set just like they would any other animal because we're animals too. That's cool. Like, I don't know of, I mean, I should but I don't know of that many examples of animals that aren't like livestock or pets uh, evolving in response to hominin, hominid pressures. Yeah. Like, Snakes were very... like, these guys suck. We got to do something. Yeah. About this. Well, we, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's wild to think that like, were we hunting them? I guess they're food. We were just smushing them. We were like snake smash. Right. I That's don't what like the paper smash. said. At least. 
Yeah. Oh, so it's not like that, they were being hunted. It was like, I don't want you around. And yeah, so we're just going to. You got to go away. Because apes, apes have been squishing us for millions of years. And now they learned how right. to make like wow. pokey sticks. Oh, man, that's a really good fact. I'm sorry, Sari. I know you no. came in one point up, but that's so good. <laughs> I need it's this, a- Sari, please. <laughs> I know. It's a good fact. <laughs> <laughs> you did yeah, good. That is like, because the thing is, I, I kind of, you know, we've extincted. So many animals. Of course, this is all still, you know, kind of theoretical. But there is a, a huge, huge amount of animals that were not able to evolve their way out of us hunting them to extinction. Yeah. And the idea that snakes were able to, like, they were able to evolve fast enough to create a defense against us being like, "I'm going to club you so that you're not in my campsite." Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really cool. Very cool. Well, I love it, Sam. Congratulations. You're Thank you. you I give you, I give you all the Hank bucks. Um, wow, every single one. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. I, I'm, I'm saving some for later. I get a bunch oh, more yeah. every week. So oh. I'll give you all the ones I have right now. And that means that it is now time for Ask the Science Couch, where we ask a question to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. Becca D on YouTube asks, why is it that we, or at least I, will occasionally spray spit from the back of the throat by accident if my mouth is opened just right? AKA, why do I gleek? I've never heard of gleeking before dating Sylvia. I had never <laughs> experienced it. I had never. And since then, that's all I hear about. That's all. Yeah. No, she did it. She was like, yeah, sometimes when I yawn, spit flies out and I can't yeah. control it. And I was like, yeah. that's weird. That's really never happened to you before? No. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it had happened to me. Like, it. it it doesn't happen to me very often, but then it does sometimes. Right. And I'm like, I feel like a freaking spitting cobra right now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and also when I was in like seventh grade, there were just people who knew how to do it. And that was like the cool thing to do for like the bad kids. This is wild to me. I am not another human being in the whole planet. I lived under a rock, a spitless rock. <laughs> yeah. Sari wrote us the email to help us to, so like we could pick the question. And she was like, apparently some yeah. people call this gleeking. What the <laughs> heck? And then me and Faith and Tuna were all like, you fool. Well, do you want to explain how it works then? Experts in gleeking? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, some mm-hmm. your tongue goes up and I guess it's, 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 t- it's pushing the saliva into your mouth, but it doesn't hit the mouth. And so it just hits the air. From my understanding, I don't think people study this in great detail because it's not medically well, harmful. Should. It's important uh, to yeah. everyone in the whole world. <laughs> it's really important to seventh grade boys. It is just if you put muscular pressure on a salivary gland in a weird way, because salivary glands are used to both... Uh, like produce and store a small amount of like your spit secretion. And so if you put pressure on the, the ducts that secrete it into your mouth, uh, whether it's, I think people experience. So like if it's coming out from under your tongue, I I'm like speaking about this, not knowing how people experience this. Like when you yawn, it's probably (laughs) the back of your throat. So probably the parotid glands. No, if it always comes out of under the tongue. Under tongue? Mm-hmm. It's always, always under tongue. tongue. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what, yeah. Gleeking is very specific. Also. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm wild that we're having Sari answer this question about a phenomenon <laughs> she's entirely unfamiliar with. Uh, yes. This is like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's all tongue then. So then it's all sublingual probably. And maybe a little bit of submandibular because that the mylohyoid muscle 
I'm guessing that's kind of like jaw area and it needs to secrete somewhere in your mouth. So as you move your mouth, then your tongue is just one big old muscle squishes down on the gland and squeezes it out like a little squirt gun or Sam's over there trying to gleek right now. I got to do it. it. If I have a child someday, I have to be able to teach them how to do it. So that'll be cool in seventh grade. Can you do it, Terry? Absolutely not. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. It just feels like (laughs) it's a very different experience, but this feels like me as a fifth grader in sex ed being like, you do what? (laughs) But like with your tongue and with the saliva, I'd be like, you do, you push it down and then saliva comes out. I don't know. Yeah. I can't. You were up in your ivory tower at MIT while we were down here gleeking on each other. Yeah. <laughs> I was a child too. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I spit on people sentence. the normal way with like a raspberry or like sucking pool water into my mouth and blowing Ugh. it out. I don't know. Horrible. That's like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. This is the, this I think is the proper reason to be feuding with one another and judging one another is our various yeah. systems, <laughs> uh, whether they be bourgeoisie or not of spitting on each other. <laughs> Sari and her, her bougie spits. <laughs> Pool water. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pond scum. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I get from this is that we don't really have the great idea of how gleeking works. Maybe at least in this room. Oh, you just push no. on you push on the glands, I think. You push That's on the it. glands. Yeah. But I'm sure someone could teach me how to do it, and I, I wish someone would. Oh, yeah. I would not be your, their teacher. I think you got to learn how to push on the gland good. Yeah, tongue. there's got to be somebody uh, that that is that like on Fiverr or something. Oh, there's a WikiHow about how to gleek. So everybody look that up. And but I don't need a WikiHow. I need I don't need to just know how to gleek. I need to be in like the top one percent of gleekers. You want to be able to like hit it people in the eye and oh, ow. Yeah, Laser I want to get a focus. cobra back. Like it spits okay. at me, I spit back. <laughs> So the first four steps is just generate saliva. Which is the problem right now, yeah. Well, I have, but then step five gets really confusing. Flex your tongue and extend it against the roof of your mouth. Press Uh your tongue in the area between your upper teeth and the skin on the roof of your mouth. Make this motion in one action and as quickly as possible. Your tongue should stiffen as you flex it, and you'll know that you're doing it right if it feels rigid and stiff in your mouth. Ew. The people, the the people watching on YouTube are getting a freaking <laughs> show right now. Every, everybody else is like, what are they doing? <laughs> Nothing's coming out. It's getting wet down there, but no, no shooting is happening. <laughs> okay. People are going to clip parts of this episode and make us... <laughs> going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, we're going to be in trouble. (laughs) If you want to ask the Science Scout your question, and at this point, I don't know why you would, you can follow us on Twitter at (laughs) SciShowTangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week, or you can join the SciShowTangents Patreon and ask us on our Discord. Thank you to at Lost in Novels, ePalmer5002 on Discord, and everybody else who asked us your questions for this episode. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's so easy to do that. First, you can go to patreon.com slash scishowtangents to become a patron and get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes. A special thanks to patrons John Pollock and Les Aker. Second, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's very helpful and it helps us know what you like about the show. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people tell about, people about us. us. 
Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz. Our associate producer is Faith Schmidt. Our editor is Seth Glicksman. Our story editor is Alex Billow. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzzbazio. Our editorial assistant is Devoki Trakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish. Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and me, Hank Green. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire lighted. But one more thing. Humans find all kinds of weird ways to entertain ourselves, including putting things in our mouths and spitting them back out for sport. From cherry pits and watermelon seeds to crickets and, of course, animal dung. No. (laughs) Specifically, there have been records of sheep dung spitting competitions in Northern Ireland and antelope dung spitting competitions or possibly just pranks on tourists in South (laughs) Africa. The goal seems to be to use a drier pellet and spit it out quickly. But if the poop touches your saliva, I'm sure you'll get a lovely grassy poop taste. Ah, but why? It's just, but but why? Know, you can spit any. There are so many things to spit. Uh-huh. Just use a rock. Yeah, a rock. I was going to say, just find a rock. You can use it over and over again, too. I don't know. Two. At, at, well, yeah. at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about humans. 